Hey, it's Nelson. And this is Monica. Welcome to the Seattle Foodie Podcast, the show where we talk about the Seattle food scene and the people and businesses behind it. We eat all the food and share our insights with you. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get to it. Hey, Monica, did you do a 10-year meme challenge on Facebook? You know, I haven't yet. I just keep meaning to go look for some pictures because I think when I looked uh, back on my profile pictures, they were all like really unfocused ones. I went through like this blurring phase. Um, how about you? Did you do it? No, because it's it's depressing for me because I had such great hair 10 years ago. I mean, <laughs> I had such good hair with the product and everything when I went to the clubs. Mm-hmm. It was like everybody yeah. loved my hair. And now that I don't have hair anymore, it's 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 really depressing. So I don't want to pull up any old pictures from 10 years ago. Well, I want to <laughs> I see those so, pictures. I was so handsome. I was so handsome and beautiful back in the day. Oh, I mean, was, you're still handsome, but I, I mean, want to see those pictures. <laughs> the Fabio hair. I mean, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> was it like was it like my son's was it like long and flowing and like you could style it into like a bouffant? Oh no, no. It was colored like orange colored hair and it it was it was very Asian. It was very Asian of me. Oh, now. you were a ginger. <laughs> yeah, I was a ginger. <laughs> I, I went through a ginger phase, but I was in my teens when that happened. I once had, uh, let's see, five different colors in my hair at the same time as they were growing out in different patterns. And, you know, I look back and I'm just like, people must have not loved me because no one said that wasn't right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll end it with this. We When I was in college, we wanted to, I wanted to dye my hair. And because my hair is black, I had to do camel blonde. That was the, I don't know. I think it was like the Estee Lauder or whatever, whatever hair product it was. (laughs) I bought at Target, but I had to buy camel blonde and it made it dark orange. (laughs) That's as, that's as bright as I could get it. But anyway, welcome to our show. How's it going? Hello. Hello. This is episode 19. You guys asked for it, so we're going to give it to you. We are going to do a neighborhood focus today. Our neighborhood today is called, is going to be Chinatown or International District. Monica, I tried to workshop the title and I, I emailed it to you. And I what do you think of We in Your Hood? What do you think <laughs> about that? Um, it's not bad. It's not bad, Nelson. Um, we in Your Hood. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I think it could use some work, so we might have to get our branding hats together to try and think about what we'll call this segment. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I'm, we're workshopping it right now. We're workshopping it. <laughs> but anyway, we decided to go ahead and skip the recaps and the events for this week. We're going to spend a good chunk of time on the International District, where to eat, where to go. A lot of people have asked and emailed us to do a focus on a neighborhood, so from time to time, we're gonna start. We're gonna do that, and we're gonna start with International District because you and I are both familiar with this location. For me, I love it. I can walk everywhere and mm-hmm. just go grocery shopping, go for lunch, go for a snack, mm-hmm. go for another snack, go for a second lunch. I don't know whatever you <laughs> want to do, right? And then and then meet up for people for dinner. I mean, it's you can do everything in one day. We've kind of broken it down into certain topics. We'll start with grocery shopping, Chinese barbecue. There's a lot of places out in the International District that does Chinese barbecue. And Monica, I can't pinpoint just one place because there's one place that does barbecue pork really well. And then there's another place that does roast pork really well and Mm -hmm. roast duck really well in another area. So I thought we would talk about three different places that specialize and where you should go. And they're all walking distance. They're Mm -hmm. all within like a block or two blocks away. I just wouldn't want to get roast duck, barbecue pork, and roast pork all in one place. What do you think? I totally agree with you. And I think um, with the Chinese food in particular in the International District, um, I found that to be the case since I moved to Seattle. And and so I think that's a great idea. I mean, some places I go to for noodles, some places I go to for fried rice. And like you said, even with something like, you know, barbecue pork, roast pork, roasted duck, those are all sort of different places to to get them. Where would you get your barbecue pork? I would get my barbecue pork at a, at you know, I don't think this is any secret. I mean, I think a lot of people know about it, but it would definitely be from Cow Cow. And some of my best memories are um, sometimes I go in the summer for the big parade that goes right through Chinatown and we'll set up our chairs really early and we'll actually usually be near Cow Cow. And so I'll run into the restaurant, get takeout and bring out food for everybody. And, and just there's something about the way that they season it how juicy it is and how fresh it is that that I love. 
Yeah, I love cow cow too. The barbecue pork has this like honey mm -hmm. sugar sweetness to it. Mm -hmm. And it is a lot sweeter than other barbecue porks that I've had in other Chinese barbecue places. So that's kind of why I like their barbecue pork. For roast pork, for me, I love King's Barbecue House, which is across from Oasis, close by Yuajimaya. Mm -hmm. And the reason I like it is because I've been going there since I was four years old. I mean, I have memories of my late grandmother getting pork bones from them. I mean, they would just give us the pork bones. Mm -hmm. And so my grandmother could make soup from there and we would always get their Chinese barbecue from there. I've always liked the roast pork. The fat to meat ratio is about 60-40 and <laughs> it's the perfect ratio of like fatty fattiness to the meat. I always buy like about a pound of it when I'm in Chinatown. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had Chinese sausage before? Like not lap churn, but like Chinese barbecue sausage. Yes, I have, but I'm not an expert. Again. It's the same flavor as the, the barbecue pork, but mm -hmm. it's in a sausage form. So mm -hmm. I, I enjoy that. It's called hern churn mm -hmm. in Chinese and Cantonese. Mm -hmm. And I usually buy like a half a pound of that too. And I think they're the only ones in the international district that makes the barbecue Chinese sausage. Wow, I have opinion. to remember that. They've been there for a while. I mean, I'm an old I'm an old guy, so they've been there <laughs> at least 35 plus years and like I I I remember I just remember my grandmother and my parents always going there to there that, that used to be their go-to barbecue mm -hmm. uh, Chinese barbecue place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me. That's awesome. And then roast duck. Have you ever been to Tonkang Noodle House? Not recently. Um, and I think going there, pretty much duck is all that I buy. <laughs> In fact, we were yeah. just walking by a couple of days ago um, and we stopped for a minute with my mom. I'm just like, do you want me to grab that duck? <laughs> Their roast duck is really good. I discovered it maybe recently. I mean, about when I mean recent, about three years ago. Mm-hmm. I had no idea how good this roast duck was. I mean, this was comparable to stuff I used to buy when I was in Richmond, when I wow. went to like HK Barbecue Master or Parker mm -hmm. Place. Their roast duck is pretty comparable. So I'll usually get like a, a whole duck for about $15, which mm -hmm. is like a really good deal. They're a, another really good Chinese barbecue place. So mm -hmm. in summary, we've got Cow Cow, King's Barbecue House, and Tan Kang Noodle House. There should be no excuse, you guys. You guys should go to those three spots because they're all within a block of each other. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Absolutely true. How about dim sum? Everybody loves dim sum, right? Oh, how can everybody not love dim sum? That's one of those love it, hate it kind of things where like, if you don't like dim sum, I don't think we can be friends. That's got to be my favorite brunch. I don't know, a quote unquote brunch. I don't know if it's it's considered brunch or not, but mm -hmm. I, I love doing dim sum and dim sum is always done on like mostly on Saturdays and Sundays in the mm -hmm. morning, right? Yep. What's your favorite dim sum spots? Um, some of my favorite spots. So I love taking like coworkers or like people who really don't have a lot of experience eating dim sum. It's funny because like a lot of people that I work with, if they're not Asian, then they kind of think about dim sum, but I think it's overwhelming and like a little bit like intimidating to them. So I love taking them to Dim Sum King, which is on Jackson Street. And why I like doing that is that if it's just a couple of us, like I'd say one to three people, then really everybody can get what they want. Um, it's cash only and really for under $10, everyone's completely full. And because there's usually a little bit of a line, there's some time to talk my friends through like what, what's in the case. And so I think I was telling you the other day, like I love that football. The football is one of my favorite things in the front case um, where it's got that sticky glutinous yep. rice and sort of crispy edges and inside it's got that, that savory meat filling. Um, and so I'm always talking about that stuff in the front case and just giving them a preview of what's going to be around the corner so that they can keep that line moving. Is that someplace that you go a lot too? Yes, I love going to Dim Sum King, especially when I'm meeting just mm -hmm. one friend or just eat or just, you know, yeah. all by myself, the Celine Dion song, <laughs> all by myself. I'm just eating for one. I don't want to go to another Dim Sum spot and I have to, because Dim Sum is usually totally. done with the group. So if I go to Dim Sum King, I can get like sumai mm -hmm. or hagao dumplings for mm -hmm. 70 cents a piece. I don't have to order yeah. four, which comes in, usually comes in an order. I can just order totally. one or two. And I'm good with that. You can order a bunch of stuff and the total comes out to about 10 totally. to $12, which is totally. a steal, which is a steal now these days. I also encourage people, if you guys have never had dim sum before, go to dim sum king and just try it out. Dim sum can, in a group, can run up a total bill from about $50 mm -hmm. to $75, depending <clears throat> on how much you order. 
So if you don't know and you feel a little intimidated because you've never done dim sum before. And so for the first time, I would highly suggest going dim sum king. Now that's for the novices, for the advanced, (laughs) (laughs) for the intermediate and advanced. Where would you go for your favorite spot for dim sum? Uh, where it's, we, uh, we actually went there together with, uh-huh. um, let's see my brother and I think Jess Tupper and Jess has rebranded her Instagram to everyday Jess and, uh, it's Harbor city. Um, it's really pretty low key. And I think a lot of people, if they're not familiar with the area, sort of miss it a little bit. And so I think it makes for a great experience. And what I love about the last time I went with you is often it's my job to order all the dim sum. And then when I was with you, it's just like, oh no can order all the dim sum. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I can speak Chinese yes. so we can order it all. <laughs> yes, it's usually my job. So I just, I need to eat dim sum with you more often. So Monica, to be more efficient, I feel like car salesmen or car dealerships should hire dim sum cart pushers. Oh because man. Because they have the same skills. They have mm-hmm. the same salesman skills. Mm-hmm. And I think they might sell cars better. Than, I the, think so than the actual car salesman. What do you think? I think so too. Um, that's one yeah. of the reasons I'm always in charge because I can say no firmly. I can make them put that paper down and just erase that scratch, which they hate to erase that scratch. I'm just like, no, you take it back. No, you take it back. You take it. I don't want it. <laughs> but they are so effective. Like if you're if you're like new to dim sum, it's really easy for you just to get like all up in this experience and all of a sudden uh, $200 later. <laughs> you have all this food that you can't eat (laughs) i know for me i even i speak chinese and i order to them and then all of a sudden i have like i didn't order green beans i didn't order i didn't order pot stickers why is this on my table i even the native speaking people it's still it's still unavoidable i Mm -hmm. mean all of a sudden they like put stuff out there so Mm -hmm. yeah i mean they are so good at sales i don't know whether it's life insurance or cars or whatever it is Mm -hmm. i always highly recommend that they should go into get a separate job or whatever job they need to totally (laughs) And, and the other thing is if you're not used to having dim sum in a restaurant with a group if you would like glasses of water you need to ask for that at the beginning and be really strong about that ask otherwise the most you'll get is tea and although like mm-hmm. I enjoy tea, not everybody does. Some people need water to digest their food. Um, if you don't get that water in the beginning, you're probably not going to get it. True. So true. All right. So let's move on. Monica, one of the places I like to go to is Chinese comfort food or Hong Kong style cafes. And one of the places that has got really, really good rev- reviews on Yelp is A plus Hong Kong kitchen. Mm-hmm. I love going there. What they're known for is their stone pot rice dishes. They're ma- there's these rice dishes that are made out of clay pots and mm-hmm. you can get the chicken and salted fish stone pot. But I like the ones with spare rib, the spare rib with Chinese sausage or the sp- spare ribs in XO sauce or any of the, the ones that have spare ribs in it. If you've never been to Hon- A plus Hong Kong kitchen, I would highly recommend the clay pots. I mean, they're they're They take about 15 minutes to cook because they're a little bit longer because they're baking mm-hmm. it. But I highly recommend that. And then in addition to that, like I said, it's it's a Hong Kong style cafe. So it's all comfort food and it's a big menu. So I also recommend for first timers, the stir fried rice rolls with XO sauce, which is in their appetizer area. Their chicken wings are good. You've probably seen this on Instagram because it's a very, a very popular drink, but the mango smoothie with coconut milk and sago is also oh, a highly recommended order too as well. That sounds delicious. I love going there. It's it's probably one of my favorite spots. Moving on to that, Monica, have you ever been to the clubs? And then after the clubs, you guys got to find a place to eat. And do you ever meet your friends ever meet up after midnight or 1 a.m. and do any late night eating in Chinatown? Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while since I've been to Trinity. But when I go to Trinity, I usually get VIP treatment. And I'm at the top floor. So I like that because I get my own um, bathroom and my own bar and like a much smaller crowd. Plus, you know, I'm short. So I get lost in like that main dance floor. Yeah. But, you know, after all of that, when I'm like super hungry, absolutely, I'm hungry and I need some place to eat. And we know Seattle's not a great place for late night eat. Yeah, correct. But there are so many places that open in Chinatown. They open till about 2 a.m. or even 3 a.m. in a couple of places. Mm-hmm. And don't lie to me because I saw your Instagram stories. You were at Trinity two nights ago, so. <laughs> no, that wasn't me. Oh, that wasn't you. <laughs> 
No, I have that one Instagram account that everybody doesn't know about. (laughs) Moni B. Clubbing. Moni B. Clubbing. Moni B. Clubbing. (laughs) Moni B. Eating. (laughs) Now, but for the late night eats, anything after 1 a.m., I have three spots I'm going to recommend. Purple Dot is probably the one of the most popular ones. If you Purple Dot and the one across the street is Honey Court, but I prefer Purple Dot mm-hmm. because I just in my opinion I think their food is a little bit better. I always recommend the baked spaghetti as well as the steak and black pepper sauce. Those are probably two of my go-tos that you order there. Hong Kong Bistro, which is next door to Purple Dot, is also another good one if you want to do hot mm-hmm. pot. Hot pot there is probably anywhere from seventeen ninety-five. Yeah on the weekdays to about 1995 on the weekends and they do hot pot all the way till 2 a.m just to let you know oh my goodness have you have you been there since they remodeled i have yes i have been there since they remodeled it's i kind of like it yeah i like it too and Mm -hmm. i i like going there for hot pot it's hot pot we're going to talk about another place for hot pot later on but Mm -hmm. for late night hot pot like at 1 a.m you really can't beat that i mean no you can't after after seeing a movie late night my friends are trying to figure out a place to eat hong kong bistro is usually one of my places and an old Mm -hmm. school place fort st george you ever been to fort st george oh yeah absolutely um so yeah that's usually at the end of some sort of crawl um i think the last time i went there i came from like bush garden and sort of work my way down the street with my friends just stumbling into like wherever places was open and we ended up at fort st george you probably can't take pictures at fort st george because it's so dark in <laughs> so there dark. <laughs> it's so dark so dark but they have <laughs> they have some great stuff like the doria which is like a japanese style risotto casserole mm-hmm. they also have the traditional curry uh, i usually get it with pork cutlets and then they of course they have japanese spaghetti and i usually get it with hamburger steak but mm-hmm. Again, that's Japanese comfort food. So mm-hmm. I I like eating there. So those are the three spots that I would do for late night. And then, as I mentioned, let's talk about hot pot. Is there another spot that you like doing for hot pot, Monica? Yeah, there's actually a couple places I like for hot pot. Um, one of them is Gourmet Noodle Bowl. And I think this place is really um, underrated just because of the location, because it's like, I think, further up, like on 8th Avenue near Dearborn. Um, but I think because it's off the beaten path of just, you know, the central of, of Chinatown, that people don't really recognize it. But not only do they have really great hot pots, they also have, you know, Taiwanese street food. And so they have this entire menu that people might not necessarily know about. But in terms of their hot pot, I like the personal hot pots because um, I think we might have talked about this before. Like I have a lot of problems putting together my own hot pot. I just like all the stuff in it. And so the personal hot pots will come out. They're still way, way big. I still think they feed like two people. Um, I love the just uh, Japanese sesame broth. That's my current favorite and I can't get away from it. I, I just love it. And so uh, do you like the, uh, the personal ones or you like the big hot pots there? I like doing it in groups personally because I Mm -hmm. I just like to, it's all you can eat and you can just eat Mm -hmm. as much as you can. But those personal hot pots, they, I totally agree. They are huge. There's so much in them and it's, they just don't give you a bunch of noodles in there. I mean, there's just tons of meat and tons of other stuff that they put in there. I was just recently at a hot pot spot in Seattle. I'm not going to name them, but (laughs) their, their personal hot pots were so tiny and oh no like man they gave me like one shrimp and two slices of beef literally i mean i'm not joking i was so disappointed and so when i go to places like gourmet noodle bowl i'm just like oh Mm -hmm. so satisfied and it's so much cheaper too to be honest totally totally Um, there's another place near Uwajamaya called Little Sheep. And so that's another place I like to have hot pot. Um, so when I go there, I tend to, to be sharing with at least one other person, maybe uh, two or three others. I like their ingredients. I think they're really fresh. And I, I like their meat selection. So you can you know get a pretty good quality of meat. Uh, of course, that's more expensive than just you know, some of the lesser cuts. But I also just like the experience. And it's like right next to Young Tea. So <laughs> that, that's usually like a huge selling point for me yeah i think i've done their all you can eat and i think it's like around 27.95 or Mm 26.95 i can't remember the price point on there i totally agree with you their quality of meat is a a little bit higher quality so i'm okay Mm -hmm. with paying that extra premium for those Mm -hmm. hot pot how about big group dinners you ever you ever been to international district and had like a banquet style dinner monica (laughs) 
Yeah. You know, usually that came when like I was in, in school and like they, I would be part of like a board or something and we need a place where we could go for like 20 people, 30 people sometimes. So when that happens, you know, we try to get into mm-hmm. Jade Garden um, and it just kind of depends on, on what it's like. But um, we've always been able to get in. I just I love Jade Garden. I, I know that a lot of people do. So that might not be popular or like hot or anything, but it just Jade Garden always makes me feel mm-hmm. like I'm at home. And so that's one of the reasons that I go there and their food quality is consistent. So the things that I go there for, um, I can always rely on. I can rely on their sticky rice being the same and their honey walnut shrimp and um, some of their steamed foods and fried foods. And and even if they love to put you in that back room, which is where they, <laughs> so they put yeah. big groups in the back room because there's just a lot more space there. Um, but sometimes it might be hard to get at least one of the carts out there sometimes. Jade Garden does a really good set dinner mm-hmm. and I personally like fortune garden myself Mm -hmm. and that's the one from across from black ball desserts and right next Mm -hmm. door to mike's noodle house Mm -hmm. and if you guys have never done like a banquet style dinner it's very common for a lot of chinese weddings where it's like tables of 10 to 12 and you have a lazy susan in the middle Mm -hmm. and these banquet set dinners are usually in the range for fortune garden i was looking at their menu they have 138 dollars set dinner and then they also have 168 dollars set dinner Mm -hmm. Warning, if you have like a group of four, I would not recommend a set (laughs) dinner for $138 because the set dinner is about 11 dishes and Mm -hmm. you get, you start with a soup in the past. It used to be like a shark's fin soup, Mm -hmm. but I think now it's like this different type of chicken soup. Mm -hmm. And then you have 10 other dishes and it just continually progresses. So you have like a cold meat dish, then you have the salted salted chicken and then you have honey walnut prawns and this honey sweet spare ribs and then then later on you have like a crab dish so it just keeps progressing and then like a fried rice at the end so the difference between 138 dollars and 168 dollars is that the 138 dollar set has usually crab in it and a steamed fish and then the 168 dollar one usually has lobster in it and so you'll have the lobster with the yi mean, which is like this long noodle, long wide noodle to signify longevity. And then you also have some other dishes added to it too in the 168. Group of 10 is fantastic because it's about $13 per person, which is like a steal. And you're you're gonna have plenty of food. So if you do 10 to 12 people and you're trying to figure out what, what to do is some sort of event, I would highly recommend doing a group set dinner. I would actually argue that it depends on the four people on whether or not you should go for this <laughs> dinner. Like, I'm just saying, I know some pretty good eaters. And so for some of those four people, it would be a really great deal. Just not for the average eater. But for those of us, who, for for those of us who train and are in it to win it, I think that we could do it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all hashtag Team Monica. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing. Oh my gosh. My guys, we're going somewhere else because that is so much food. It is so. a lot of food. <laughs> All right. So from big groups to more intimate, let's talk about Japanese food because there's a big Japanese contingency in the international district. Monica, what are some favorite Japanese restaurants that you recommend in there? Totally. Uh, there is a big contingency, but of course, less small because of the history of uh, Japantown in the International District. But uh, one of the go-to spots has to be absolutely one of the oldest Japanese restaurants in the country, and that would be Maneki. And Maneki mm-hmm. serves just fantastic, fantastic Japanese food and sushi. And um, let's see, they're over... They've been in business for over a hundred years. I think it's like the early nineteen yeah. hundreds. The the historic nature of it and the quality of it. Um, I think I think I've been there for like small group dinners many many times. And if you haven't tried it, you just have to. I mean, nothing beats having like really good Japanese food at a really special place, and it just makes you feel special. Absolutely, I love their fish collar. Yes, have you ever had their fish collar? Yes, before? Their fish oh. collars. So good. For me, Sukushinbo. Mm-hmm. Sukushinbo, which is nearby Maneki as well. Mm-hmm. They have dinner, but I really love going there for their lunch specials. They have daily lunch specials Tuesday through Friday. It ranges from on Friday, they have 
people line up for their shoyu ramen, mm-hmm. gyoza, and rice combo, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Their mini katsudon and tanuki udon, which is on Thursdays. And then they have like a mini chirashi bowl on Wednesdays. And they're only eleven fifty for the lunch specials, Monica. That's oh, such man. a steal. I mean, so such great. a good deal. And then if you like sushi, I highly recommend the sushi combo A, which is like six pieces of nigiri and then six pieces of the spicy tuna roll. Mm-hmm. I love going there for lunch. It's it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Just to let you guys know, there's no sign. So there's yeah. no sign that says <laughs> good luck it. <laughs> So it's gonna be it's gonna be people waiting in line. Yes. So it's gonna be just like this door and there's gonna be people lined up and they're kinda looking in. Um, so ask them what they're doing <laughs> and they'll yeah. tell you. <laughs> exactly. So Monica, I'm getting hungry just thinking about all this, but we have a couple more to go. So best bakery. What do you think? Oh, it's got to be Fuji Bakery. Um, got to be for sweet and savory and also their matcha lattes. I love it all. One of my favorites is the beef curry bun. And so that's my savory. And then for sweets, they have a whole line of croissant pastries. And so, um, you know, it's Japanese with French influence. And so those croissants are done really well. And one of their most popular ones, it's not my favorite, but it's one of their most popular is it's like a little croissant with some vanilla custard pudding and sliced strawberries. And it's beautiful and it's delicious. But my favorite has to be the orange confit one. And so it's got that confit orange and it's half dipped in dark chocolate. And that's by far my favorite, like sweet. I think what you were talking about was the strawberry phrase, right? The F-R-A-I-S-E. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know me, I'm a savory guy. So whenever they have the katsu sandwiches or the katsu sando, I am all over that. Totally. So. And they they have a pretty brisk lunch crowd. I'd say their location at Inner Bay has a stronger lunch following. But for me, my favorite location is definitely Chinatown. And I try to get there early so I can get my, my selection of everything. <laughs> yeah. And for you Eastsiders, good news. There's also mm-hmm. a Fuji Bakery inside the Yuajimaya in Bellevue too as yep. well. Totally. We can't talk about international district restaurants and food places without talking about noodles. Mm-hmm. So we already talked about Mike's enough. So Mike's, we highly recommend Mike's mm-hmm. Noodle House. Go to that, wonton mean and all that stuff. But I love Szechuan Noodle Bowl Up if you go up the street. Their Szechuan Noodle Soup, Noodle Beef Soup is probably one of the best. If you add a green onion pancake, that's like a perfect meal for me on like cold days. Mm. I, I, I highly recommend it. If you don't like the Szechuan spiciness to it, they also have the brown beef tendon noodle bowl too as well, which is like traditional beef noodle soup, Taiwanese beef noodle soup. I would highly recommend getting one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dessert. Oh, dessert's we so have, hard. <laughs> I know, dessert's so hard. And Monica, I'm being a hypocrite here because <laughs> I tell people Chinese desserts aren't good. They're not good. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag grass jelly for life. <laughs> exactly. But luckily, the international district, because it's called international, not Chinese district, they have several d- dessert places. One of our favorites is definitely bamboo, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I can never eat one of those myself, though. For So for those who don't know what bamboo does, why don't you tell everyone? Yeah, bamboo is a Vietnamese dessert place. They do snow ice or shaved ice, and they also do Vietnamese desserts, which is che, which is basically coconut milk desserts with it's they they have anywhere from longan and lychee, and then they also have like these jellies too as well, right? And they put it all yeah. in a cup with yeah. with ice and coconut milk. Yeah, I usually get the snow ice, and so I was counting on you to go over that. <laughs> Yeah, the snow ice for me, there are two flavors I specifically like, Berrylicious and Strawberry Cheesecake. And we mm. actually did, we as in a couple Yelpers did an unofficial Yelp event and we did a dessert walk throughout International District this past Thursday mm-hmm. and we got the Strawberry Cheesecake. I love this crushed ice at Bamboo. It's just oh, one of totally. my favorites. Totally. Yeah. Now, if you want to go for the more traditional Vietnamese dessert, the Che, I would recommend two of them. One's the Fruit Addict, and then the other one is the Summer Delight. So they're mm-hmm. more refreshing. They have actual fruit and basil seeds added in there. So that those would be the ones that I would recommend. Now, tell us about Go Poke, because Go Poke has some pretty good desserts too. 
Yeah, Gopoke has um, a number of dessert options. I mean, I think when they first opened up, I'm pretty sure they just had Dole Whip. But what? Dole Whip? Um, for me, that was one of the first places that I knew about around in the area that was serving Dole Whip. So Dole Whip is a pineapple soft serve. And in Hawaii, we like to put uh, what's called uh, lihing mui powder on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also they throw a couple of gummy bears on it. And so delicious. Um, since they're opening and they just celebrated their two-year anniversary, I mean, I mean, they've they've evolved to have um, Hawaiian style shave ice, which is always pretty good. And also they sell um, ice cream mochi made by uh, Bubby's, which is a company in Hawaii. So they have a bunch of different options. Um, have you tried any of those, Nelson? I've tried the dough whip. I love the dough whip because yeah. it brings me to when <clears throat> I was a kid. Not a I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I also <laughs> went to Disney. I also went to Disney world and Disneyland when I was an adult too, <laughs> but they used to have this dough plantation stand mm-hmm. and they would serve dough whip out of, out of there in totally. Disneyland. Mm-hmm. I was so excited when go poke had dough whip. I ordered it. And I was like, it brought me back to those memories from, from going to Disneyland and eating dough whip. Um, what other desserts are out there? The one I have to talk about is black ball. Black ball has grass jelly, but a lot of people really love the matcha. So mm. if, you, if you've never been there and you like matcha, I would highly recommend the matcha jelly or pudding or the fresh matcha jelly lattes. Those are really good too. If you like the crushed ice, I would highly recommend the lychee or the cranberry crushed ice. And these things, these are different because they're different from bamboo because the bamboo is more of a shaved snow ice. Mm-hmm. So it's flaky. For the crushed ice at Black Ball, it's literally ice, and then they put syrup on it. So lychee syrup, and they okay. put um, boba toppings. So mm-hmm. nanda de coco, which is like coconut jelly, and then they also do taro, and they put toppings around it, and it's a huge mountain of crushed ice. Oh, my God. So it's probably about eight inches tall. I'm, I'm not kidding you. Mm-hmm. I mean, of crushed ice. I mean, that's how big it is. So <laughs> if you do order the crushed ice, I highly recommend you eating it with a friend. Or if you just have an appetite, you just literally, I mean, no pun intended, crush it. <laughs> just, just crush it. So. Okay. So I'm going to call an audible here and I'm going to highlight a dessert that people might not know about. It's actually at Iron Steak. And so Iron Steak is a place oh. where it uh, serves uh, sizzle plates where mm-hmm. um, basically, you know, they serve you up with like rice, corn and some veggies and then you choose your meat and other toppings. So that stuff is all good. And they're also open till about 11 o'clock on most nights. But what a lot of people don't talk about, or I don't see a lot on Instagram, is the dessert sundae. So there's a dessert sundae that they have, and they serve it in the same sort of cast iron sizzle plate as the rest of their food. And it starts with a base of a pound cake, and then there's ice cream, and then there's all these like little sweet, crunchy things. But what makes this amazing is when they bring it out, they'll bring out that hot sizzle plate and then they'll pour caramel syrup and it'll caramelize. It'll cook there and it'll get like warm and sticky and crunchy um, if you just give it a minute. And it's funny because it's such a love hate thing where like that caramel is so hot and the ice cream is so cold. Like I, I burn my mouth every time I go there and they <laughs> warn you, but I just can't help it because like I'm so anticipating like all these flavors together. Um, but when you are patient enough, to let it cool off just the combination like having that caramel cook right in front of you there's nothing like that man it makes so much sense right, <laughs> right? because, of the, totally because they have so many so many of those grilled grilled paddles there i mean yeah. it makes so much sense yeah, yeah. I love it monica this is our last one mm-hmm. and this one's a little bit off the beaten path mm-hmm. because it's not a restaurant nope. or it's actually a it's a place where I get used to get fortune cookies. Mm-hmm. Not I, but my mom used to get fortune cookies. <laughs> so why don't you tell us more about this place? I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. This is I'm, I'm having a Nelson moment. Sue Chong, and so mm-hmm. it's a company that's um, right on the corner across the street from the Wing Luke. And so um, on Saturdays, I love to go in there before they close. I think they close at like one or two o'clock. But my favorite thing is to buy a bag of their. Um, their extras from the fortune cookies that haven't quite made their quality control. But you can also have uh, custom-made fortune cookies. And it's very unassuming. I mean, it's very sort of laid back. There's never a line there. There's just a couple, you know, neighborhood people always in there. Um, But sometimes I just want a bag of fortune cookies. (laughs) I mean, I have memories of my mom when I was a kid buying like a huge two pound, three pound, Mm -hmm. five pound bags of fortune cookies. And they're just the, there's just the, 
factory defects or they're mm -hmm. just they haven't even been folded i mean they're like yeah. flat cookies and we would just have a huge bag and we would mm -hmm. just grab the bag and just start eating it totally. but you can also do custom messages mm -hmm. too in there too i've i've seen people order at suchong fortune cookies for like wedding parties and baby showers so if you want to if you want to get something like that like a party favor you can you can order it through them too as well. <laughs> I was just thinking we could do like a Seattle foodie podcast special order and we could put in there all the words that we've mispronounced since we started the show. <laughs> <laughs> we can, we can do that. <laughs> we, can, we can do that. Oh my goodness. So that's the food tour. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's so many that we didn't mention, but there's totally. so many that we just gave you too mm -hmm. as well. But Monica, there's also some other non-foodie events that you can do. Mm -hmm. I think they're great because you can break up your day. You can have lunch at one spot and then take a break and go to one of these places. So why don't you tell us about two spots? Yeah. Um, so I would love to talk about Wing Luke Museum, and I just mentioned it um, a minute ago. Um, this is a museum that was established in 1967, and it's been at its current location since 2008. It's right across the street from Dynasty Room. Um, what's special, there's so much that's special about this museum. It's a Smithsonian Institute affiliate and a National Park Service affiliated area. So the Smithsonian thing is already really special. But I remember when they got the National Park Service recognition, and that was huge huge for them, just super huge. So we're going to take a step back and actually talk about who Wing Luke is. Um, so in 1962, Chinese American Wing Luke, he was the first person of color to be elected to the Seattle City Council and the first Asian American elected to public office in the Pacific Northwest. This is a really big deal given that there are there's a large Asian population in Seattle area and has been for many, many years. The year after that, Wing Luke played a key role in advocating on city council for the passage of the Open Housing Ordinance. So the Open Housing Ordinance is all about housing discrimination discrimination. And Seattle actually had this law before we had the law nationwide. So while they Seattle established this law in 1963, and the creation of the Seattle Human Rights Commission, this wasn't an, a national law until 1964. So really, Wing Luke was blazing the trail for to end dis housing discrimination. He died at a young age, he was only 40 on a plane crash, but the museum is named after him. It just holds so much of the history. They have oral storytelling, they have tours, they have walking food tours. Um, for you know Chinese Lunar New Year, they always have special events where they have lion dances and blessings. Um, they're just such an important part of the community um, and it's dedicated to Asian Americans. And they've been building out some of their exhibits around uh, people who have been underrepresented. So um, I, I love going there. I just went there a couple weeks ago. I'm a former member. Nelson, have you been there recently? I haven't been there recently, but I've been to a couple of charity events and I, I just love the history of it. Mm -hmm. Anytime I can take a look and see Asian culture and Asian history, mm -hmm. it's one of my favorites. It's a great time. Speaking of which, they're going to have around that area a Lunar year, New Year in, on February 2nd. Yep. So there's going to be some lion dancing near mm -hmm. the Wing Luke Museum mm -hmm. too as well. Yep. And people, it's lion dancing, not dragon dancing. Lions. No, no. <laughs> lions. It's lion dancing. Lions. <laughs> I hear that all the time. And that's okay if you're just learning, but it's lions. <laughs> yeah. But that's another topic for another day. Of course. <laughs> Monica, for me, the other non-foodie event thing you can do in the heart of the International District or Chinatown is the Seattle Pinball Museum. Mm. Have you ever been there yet? I haven't been there. I walk by it all the time and I've never been in there. There are tons of pinball machines. There are retro ones that are 30 years old. And then there's more modern pinball machines, to be honest mm -hmm. with you. Uh, when I mean modern, I pro I'm thinking like early 2000s and mm -hmm. 2010. Mm -hmm. So there's two levels of pinball machines. So there's a lot of pinball machines to choose from. Instead of the traditional put a quarter in or, well, I guess in, because of inflation now these days, you have to put 50 cents in. No, it's play, like a dollar. It's like it's a, a dollar, dollar now? Are you freaking kidding me? Okay. It's expensive. This is even a, this is even a better deal. <laughs> Instead now, if you go to the Seattle Pinball Museum, you pay a one-day entry for $15. Mm -hmm. And if you want to do a multiple entry, it's $25. I don't know. I think that's like a season pass or something mm -hmm. like that. But for a one-day entry, you can put pay $15 and you can play as much pinball as possible. 
And the best part about it, Monica, is that they also sell beer in the in the facility. Yeah. So you can drink beer and play pinball at the same time. What better way to spend a couple hours there before you go to your second lunch or your dinner or snack <laughs> than to play some pinball there? I think that's a great spot. Me too. I'm just a terrible pinball player. So... <laughs> Oh, so I shouldn't have outed myself. So don't challenge me to attorney. I'm a good pinball player versus the average person. But when I go out with all my when I go out with my friends who grew up playing video games mm -hmm. and arcade games, I'm the worst. <laughs> I go out oh, really? with those guys. Uh oh. Well, no, I'm good at games. Like I can take you down in Galaga. I'm just not good at pinball. <laughs> okay. okay. Dig Dug, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> But they have some awesome ones. They have like a kiss pinball that kiss the band. And then they also have like a Pac-Man and they, they have a Terminator 2 Judgment Day pinball machine too as well. So there's a bunch of like pretty co cool nostalgic pinball machines that I really enjoy. That sounds so, fun. They yeah. also do birthday parties, right? I don't know. I I, I heard that's that. the first time I've heard about yeah. that. Okay, that makes that sense. All right. Well, that's pretty much everything and anything about an international district in Chinatown. That's pretty much it. Any other comments, Monica, or any remarks? No, I just think it's scratching the surface. So I'm really glad that we're doing this so we can at least start that conversation. But each neighborhood in Seattle has its own special character and history. And so I love that we're doing this. And we're going to try out some other neighborhoods in future episodes like Capitol Hill, Ballard, Fremont. I mean, a bunch of neighborhoods mm -hmm. with really great eating spots. Mm -hmm. And uh, so stay tuned for that. And now we're ready to get to our interview with Scott Staples. Scott Staples heads Staples Restaurant Group, and they have names, restaurants. Get ready for this, people. Quinn's, You Need a Burger and feed company burgers. They also have a number of different catering business lines that you need to be aware of. We had a chance, both Nelson and I had a chance to sit down with Scott for an interview, and here it is. Hey everyone, hey Seattle. I'm with Scott Staples. If you don't know who Scott Staples is, he is one of the main big chefs in Seattle, I would probably call. <laughs> Listen to the lineup, I mean, you need a burger, Feed Co, Quinn's Pub, as well as many other restaurants. Restaurant Zoe. And Restaurant Zoe. And we are right now recording in Feed Co Central, in the Central District. And this is fun because I'm with Monica. Normally it's just a one on one interview, but we're actually, both of us are interviewing you. So, Scott, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, good to be here. So, first question I always want to ask when we interview chefs or anybody is how did you get started? How did you get started being a chef? You know, my. My dad was a believer in summer jobs, so I, that's when I started cooking and even through college, cooked my way through college and um, ended up really enjoying it. Went to Europe a couple of times, uh, um, yeah, worked with a lot of French chefs and just one thing led to another and I ended up going with that. Perfect. Yeah. Come from a restaurant family. Yeah. Yeah. So where in Europe did you train? Um, mainly Italy. Okay. I was um, just three months in uh, France, but I was a year in Italy. I was okay. just working with uh, Gualtiero Marchese, who at the time um, was top 25 chefs in the world. He, uh, um, his restaurant was called Gualtiero Marchese, three-star Michelin. He was the first three-star Michelin in Europe. I mean, not Europe, in uh, Italy. So he was kind of their Paul Bocuse at the time. So, yeah. yeah. So when you first started out, what made you decide to come to Seattle and build your restaurants here? Well, my wife uh, and I were living on the East Coast. And um, <clears throat> before uh, we went to Europe, and then she was accepted to the um, university, um, the UW program for architecture here. So we, that's how we decided. And she also is, has a lot of family here in the Northwest and also up in uh, BC and up and around Vancouver. So, yeah. yeah. Um, after hearing the lineup of all the restaurants and just the history of you in Seattle and cooking in Seattle, what's the concept behind Food Co? Well, so the, the inspiration generally came from Taylor's Refresher down in, uh, down in Napa Valley, which is now called God's Roadside. Mm -hmm. So it's this walk up. It was in an old kind of a, almost like a Dick's Drive-In kind mm -hmm. of building where it was, you know, the weather's so great that you just walk up to the window and they had like great burgers, fries, mm -hmm. salads, uh, fish tacos, things like that. And you can sit outside, lots of, um, you know, just really strong family um, business. Uh, so when I saw that, that's what really captured my heart and, uh, and so from there um, I just started um, looking for the right place so you see you need a burger open first and then um, 
you go second. And, mm -hmm. and so that whole idea is just fresh, you know, and I guess one other approach to this is, you know, classically trained chef. Mm -hmm. um, the whole idea there was, and it's kind of the same with all my restaurants, it's like, what would a, you know, with Zoe, it was like, what would you do fine dining in a, you know, what would you do for fine dining in a bistro atmosphere? And then for Quinn's, it was like, fine dining bistro in a pub atmosphere. So, you know, it's got gastro pubs. So now it's like, it's, you know, classically trained chef's approach to burger shake and fries, you know. So yeah. that's, yeah. Uh, and yeah, so everything's from scratch. We try to use seasonal ingredients and uh, try to mix it up with some fun specials. Yeah, I think I'm still learning a lot about Fico. Honestly, I live closer to Unita Burger, mm -hmm. and I'm a huge fan of yeah. Unita yeah. Burger. Yeah. Um, everything from the cheese curds to just the the creativity behind burgers. Mm -hmm. Because as Nelson and some of the listeners know, I'm not a huge burger fan, but if it's going to be a burger, it has to be well done, well composed, mm -hmm. and really hit every note for mm -hmm. me. So I'm not just like any burger. I'm just mm -hmm. Unita Burger. Well, thank, <laughs> so, you. thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> I think when Maria Hines, I think I read an article from Maria Hines, and she mentioned that you need a burger was the Sin the Sonora burger I think yeah yeah and she said that was her favorite burger and I said like okay I got to try this place and when I tried this place I think I ordered a burger I ordered the Sonora burger and it was so good I ordered the cremini mushroom burger mm. to go I was like it was yeah. so good I normally don't order order two burgers to go but yeah. I was like this is really good I had to go so um, and so Vico has a similar style to it too. Yes. It's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah the vibe is completely different. You know, so we're you know we're not in an old garage. You know, so mm -hmm. it's definitely uh, new construction. Um, you know, but uh, nicely designed, really open, very sunny, very lots of windows. How does can you walk us through the menu process? Like, how often does it change at Feedco? Yeah, you know, um, I would say once or twice a year. You know, we probably up, update the uh, a lot of our, our mainstays. Mm -hmm. uh, we. You know, if, if we look at the board, like for example, I'm going to be updating the menu this January, so we have enough room for um, six specials uh, every day. But um, we're going to expand that, and we're going to try to, you know, lower, reduce our, our, our mainstays, and kind of have more of a almost like a weekly fresh sheet in a way. You know, so. Yeah, um, I think for me, um, I really love that concept. I tend to get. Um, like once I eat everything and eat them a couple of times, uh, sometimes I get a little bit bored. So I love the idea of having a rotating menu and having something always new to choose from. Mm -hmm. And also that's really aligned with seasonal ingredients like we were talking yeah, about. Yeah. Right? Um, so let's see, what are what are some, some things in the future, some ingredients that you want to highlight for FICO that you want people to know about? Uh, I, I want to, well, I want to start utilizing wild mushrooms on the menu on a mm -hmm. regular basis because I love game. Um, <laughs> Uh, we're going to start rotating in and experimenting with you know, elk, venison, some uh, uh, Chinese water buffalo. Um, oh, wow, Chinese water buffalo. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting <laughs> on a burger. Yeah, well, yeah. We, we, um, we, we cycled that in with elk uh, and Unita. Um, we haven't done that for a couple of years, and, but we're going to bring that back. And then people really, really loved it. So and it's so loved. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what stands out is that most people use beef patties, mm -hmm. but you guys really experiment with different types of other proteins. And yeah, and you know we have bison here, and it's so funny. But people, I wanted to say everyone needs to try bison. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to tell the difference between bison and beef, but it's so good, and and, and it's that's uh, it's even less mass-produced than right. even the good quality meat that we get. Yeah, and I've had your bison at the FICO, yeah. the FICO before when you guys had it yeah. in the past. So, so it's a leaner burger, but it's really good. Yeah. So as a chef yeah. at home, what are some of your go-to things that you like to make? Or if you're just some downtime, like what, do you have any comfort recipes or comfort foods that you guys like making as a family? or? or yeah. Um, you know, we, we definitely have, uh, my son loves braised meat, uh -huh. so, so whether it's braised lamb or, or short rib or, you know, just some, any sort of stew like that, he just, like, he, he grew up a fairly picky eater, which is really hard for me as a chef, so it's like, challenge, it's very challenging, and then, uh, and then when I, I got him try braised short rib, and he just now just wants it all the time, so we... We cook that, especially in the wintertime. We do a lot of that. And, uh, or um, also uh, braised pork, too. We do a lot of kind of like uh, Mexican and Spanish style kind of uh, pork uh, 
shoulder kind of dishes. Uh, the other, we do eat a lot of tacos, so we do a lot of grilled meats, uh, uh-huh. you know, uh, and, uh, and, and fish uh, at home. We, uh, and also just a lot of, uh, especially in the summer, you know, when there's great fresh, uh, produce out there, we just do a lot of uh, protein-based salads. Mm-hmm. So, so that's kind of pretty typical, which my son hates, but... <laughs> yeah, my son doesn't like fish very much either, which is really funny. I know. Um, it's a salad aspect. He's now he's in, oh, okay. uh, so now he's starting eating salad more, but yeah, but, yeah. But it's just so so a lot of kind of vegetable salad based kind of entrees with just um, whether it's a um, you know steak or fish or whatever on top. We do a lot of so we always ended off with uh, with a question for everybody, all of our guests. Where are we eating, Scott? So. What are some of your favorite restaurants or that you like to visit around Seattle that you want the listeners to know about? Yeah, you know, I, I would love to get there more than I do, but uh, Bar del Corso uh, yeah. is oh. definitely one of my favorites. Um, the, uh, I, I find myself, uh, um, you know, I've been following um, uh, Shiro around for his uh, sushi places, yeah. you know, all from, from the original Shiro's to... You know, to uh, his one when he's in the West End, and then and now he's at Kishiba and, uh, now. He's at yeah. yeah, so, um, yeah, so I have a expensive habit of, uh, of, of uh, sushi. Um, <laughs> what else? Um, um, I've been really enjoying the meat dishes at uh, Asadero and, 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 you know, and Ballard. So, uh, have you been to the Kent location? I know, I really want to go. Yeah, they just moved to, uh, I think it was a couple of months ago that That's they moved the original to. A, one. This is the original one, yeah. but they moved to a different location. In the okay. Weekend. Yeah. Yeah, do you recommend it? I like it, yeah. yeah Their good. food is a, I think they have they have a similar menu, but I think they have a couple other things that are not on the menu than Kent versus Ballard. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a bit probably cheaper too. Yeah, probably a little bit cheaper <laughs> as well. <laughs> <laughs> Ballard versus yeah, Ballard versus Kent is a little bit different. Well, so. well, yeah, yeah, I think you, you, you can get away with uh, where you have higher rent at Ballard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but, yeah. But, uh, um, well, yeah, and uh, uh, I think um, yeah, I would say that those tend to be you know. Favorites, I guess. Those are very good choices. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah. Places I like. <laughs> I know. If you're going to spend a lot of money on sushi, you know, I mean, this is a, Seattle's a great place for it. I've been a lot of places, and Seattle's such a great place for French fish. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, very nice. It's very fun. Perfect. Yeah. Well, that's that's pretty much it that we got for, for you, Scott. Yeah. Thank you cool. so much. Yeah. Guys, visit, visit all of the Staples restaurant groups. Restaurant Zoe, you need a burger, feed co. Quinn is my favorite for happy hour. You oh, have yeah. to get that wild boar, sloppy oh, yeah. joes. Yeah. Still, still probably my favorite. Oh, yeah. And visit his other restaurants. You go to staplesrestaurantgroup.com. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah. And that was our interview with Scott Staples. Don't forget to check out his restaurants, You Need a Burger, the Feed Co Central, as well as Quinn's Pub. Man, Monica. If you've never tried the wild boar sloppy joes at Quinn's Pub, you are missing out, just to let you know. Oh, man. Sounds so good right now. I'm so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget he has two other event spaces, too, called Soul Repair and Zoe Events. That's up in Capitol Hill. Monica, there's so much stuff that we talked about in terms of food. I'm getting hungry, so I need to go eat sometime. What do you think? Um, I totally agree. It's been a great show, and hopefully we'll be able to do this concept more often and Let's go eat, Nelson. All right, Seattle. Thank you so much for joining this podcast and happy eating. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for future episodes and leave us a five-star rating and review on whichever platform you're listening on. In the meantime, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Seattle Foodie Podcast and on Twitter at Seattle Food Pod. You can also email us at Seattle Foodie Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we hope you enjoy the Seattle Foodie Podcast.